Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip answers the question, the market is in free fall. What should I do? Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. All right. As we speak, the crypto markets are in free fall. It's, it's getting pretty nuts out there. It's, act, it's actually an uh, interesting and exciting time for, for those of us who've seen a couple of crypto markets. And really, if you've just been an investor in general uh, and you understand how, how markets work and how, um, how psychology works, and, and so this is an interesting time because this is where all the opportunity comes. And so what I what I did today was I am pulling it up right now. I created this um, this hypothetical analysis of different of different very volatile stocks because when you invest, the key in investing or your your return over time is is heavily correlated to how much volatility you can withstand or said a different way. If you're an employee of a company uh, and you have, you're an employee of a quote unquote stable company. So think like government job is the, is the most stable job. Trade-off is you're just not going to make that much money long-term, right? You, you, you're not going to have too many government employees making 400,000, $500,000, a million dollars a year. But then you, you you look the other way and then you say okay let's let's look at an employee who works at a uh, at a startup you know make a little bit of money but over time if they're successful their compensation is crazy because there's you know they're they're in an industry that's taking market share if they're successful so they've taken it their salaries goes up plus a lot of them get a lot of stock options and compensation in those early companies and they end up you know becoming crazily rich like a lot of the big time uh, VC angel investors of today were early employees at some of these early tech startups. So investments are the same way. You know, you, you it, it, it's just life, right? You get you get rewarded financially according to your level of faith. There, there are no shortcuts. There's no way to earn higher returns without embracing the volatility. And it doesn't mean you have to embrace the volatility, right? If, if you're fine with lower returns, for for security um for for just mental health that that's cool but you're gonna have to deal with some level of volatility because what's what's known and certain like what we know and this is just from fed policy government policy understanding economics is keeping your money in cash and bonds over the next 10 years it's going to be a terrible idea likely because the federal government has said in order to achieve our financial goals we're going to uh, have an inflation target. And what does an inflation target mean? Well, we've talked before about inflation being the government making the value of your money worth less. And um, and so if you look at if you look at current expectations of governments around the world having to print money at a you know 15 per 10 to 15 percent a year rate, um, that basically means let's let's use ten percent. At ten percent, that means that the value of your money gets chopped in half in seven years. 
So the value of cash gets chopped in half in seven years if the government's making it worth less. And as I mentioned on the episode yesterday, in order for the government to pay off all this debt, they have to either default or create all this you know, fake, funny money. And so there's no other way around it. And so we know that cash, which is historically considered, quote unquote, safe, we know that's just about as close to, I mean, we know there's a, <laughs> a next to, there's, there's a almost 0% chance that you're not going to lose purchasing power in cash. By the way, like if you look back over 10, 20, 30 years, like 100% of the time, your cash has lost value because they've made the value worth less. Like we grew up in a world thinking, we grew up in a world where inflation is normal and we're used to them making the value of our cash worth less. And so what you want to think about is, all right, and that's that's the least volatile, but that's not the safest. So what level of volatility do I want to take on in order to make sure that my, you know, that I that I maintain wealth? And so, so the so if you, if you go back to my previous example of the government printing money at ten to fifteen percent a year, like to maintain your wealth, you at least have to keep pace with the money printing rate, which means you at least have to have a ten to fifteen percent return over time if that's the printing rate, you know, over the next five ten years, and so that pushes you out in asset classes that earn 10 to 15 percent you know a year and so that those are typically volatile and so you know the 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 sucky part of the environment that we're in right now is that you know 30 years ago if people did not want to deal with volatility they didn't have to they can just buy bonds and their returns on bonds you know above the money printing rate and inflation rate was sufficient today it's not happening because we're transitioning from one financial system to another and there's just lots of volatility every time I keep, I, I use the example again of, you know, you being a UK citizen in the 1940 and deciding to move your assets to, uh, to the United States economic system at that period of time. It seemed risky because America was more volatile than Britain. Britain had been stability for the world for the last hundred years, but fast forward, British wealth relative to American wealth over, over that last, you know, 80 year period of time, it's not even close. Like American wealth is significantly higher than, 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 than British wealth. And so going back to what I've done, I said, hey, listen, I know folks are going to be panicking. I know I'm going to, by the time I get this podcast out, get lots of emails and phone calls on the market and what's going on. And so I said, okay, let's let's look at the most volatile um, stocks, but that were like known disruptors. Uh, and, 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 and let's look at their three-year uh, or, you know, three-year rolling returns uh you know, for those investments. And what is three-year rolling returns? Basically, it just says, hey, you go back to a period of time, right? And I, and I believe we go back to uh, 2015, really beginning 2016 on this on this deal. And I say, hey, you know, on a three-year period of time, so every three years, right? Um, so, so, so January 1st, 2016 to, you know, January 1st, uh, 2019, it's like one rolling period of time. So they do that every month, right? A rolling three-year period every month. And and basically it just says, okay, over those periods of time, what was the highest returns? What was the lowest returns over the three-year period of time? And so so again, I went back to the to, to some volatile stocks, but that were known leaders. And that's important because if one of my fundamental investment philosophies is the core of your portfolio should be in a well-diversified portfolio. But if you go into something that's, you know, not as diversified, you know, don't guess, bet on the clear winner, right? So, so find the investment opportunity 
that is the dominant leader in a specific market, it's, you know, a hundred times better than the next closest competitor. And it has significant upside, right? You know, I like to say a hundred times upside from where it is right now, but, you know, realistically, at least 10 times upside from where it is right now. And so, uh, but in, in a disruptive area, like a hundred times from where it is right now is not uh, significant, right? It may not happen in five years or 10 years, but I'm just saying it needs to have a lot of upside. And so, so you think about that, those, those companies are companies, clear winner. And these are companies on the list. So one company I look at is, is Alphabet over that period of time, right? You know, definitely, I think it's 2016, definitely five years ago, we all knew Google was like the dominant leader. Like it wasn't a question. They've been leading for a while, but they're dominant. So I put them to the list because at that time we could have said, "Hey, they're a dominant leader," but they're very volatile um, of an asset class and so uh, or, or of a stock. But over that three-year period, if you invested uh, in Google, um, the the time period that uh, the average return over that time period, the average return, you know, from basically end, end of 2015 to, to current, uh, and, and we end the study at the end of April. But over the time period, the average return was about 23% a year over that period of time. Now, the highest three-year three, three year rolling return over that period of time was 32% a year. The lowest rolling three-year return over that period of time was 10%. It was from 1231, 2015 to 1231, 2018. And I'm, and, and I'm using um, Vanguard Morningstar Report now to put this together. So now let's look at Amazon, right? Amazon, again, six years ago, clear winner. We, we, we know. So we were, we were not guessing. Uh, very volatile stock, though. And so over that period of time, 11-30-2015 to 4-30-2021, the, the annual return of Amazon was 35% a year, 35.65 to be uh, exact. The highest three-year rolling return was 52% a year. And the lowest three-year rolling return was 26% a year. 26.93. Let's look at Apple. Apple average return over the period of time, about 33% a year. The highest three-year rolling return was about 48.89% a year. And the lowest three-year rolling return was 16.44% a year. We go to Facebook. Facebook period. These are all the same periods, y'all, just so you know, for the for the uh, you know, uh, average over the period, 1130 to 430. 23.36% a year. The highest historical return three year period over a three-year period of time during that time period uh, was 23.64. And the lowest return over that time period, lowest three-year rolling return is 5.5%. Go to Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is you know what we use for 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 our uh, uh, for the clients that have uh, a Bitcoin position in, in the portfolios we use. Um, the average return over that period of time for GBTC was 131.69% return over that period of time. The highest three-year rolling return was 135%. And the lowest three-year rolling return was 7% a year. Um, Square, average return, 74.39% a year. Uh, highest rolling three-year return, 101% a year. Lowest three-year rolling return, 44.72% a year. And Tesla, Tesla really was the only one that um, you, you'll see. So the average return was 65.68%. The highest 
a three-year rolling return was 132.38%. And the lowest three-year rolling return was negative 6.04%. So Tesla was the only one that had a rolling three-year uh, negative return. I actually expected to see more over a three-year period of time, um, which is fine. But my point in illustrating this is if you if you have a portfolio that's less diversified, betting on innovation, disruption, it's basically if you're saying, hey, here's the vision of the world five years from now, three years from now, 10 years from now, right? And you're saying, I think these companies are best positioned for where the world is moving, uh, so I'm going to own them. The, the, the thing is, when you do that, when you're when you're when you're owning transition, uh, transition type innovative companies, between now and then, there's a lot of volatility. And just imagine, markets are run by humans. Humans do not do well with change. Think about when you've had to go through rapid change in your life. There was lots of volatility. On the other end of it, it was better. On the other end of it, things worked out better. And so you were happier, but during the transition, it was messy. It was volatile. And so, and, and it was hard to stay, have faith in the future. It was tough to stay disciplined. It was tough to stay patient. But if you were, if you did do those things, then you realized the better outcome in your life. And the same, the same is true in investing, right? And this, again, this is assuming you're right, right? If you pick the wrong stocks, maybe not so much, but this is why I say, if you're and this is what I do when I'm building a portfolio. I don't I don't like to guess on um, on the stocks and the individual positions that I own. I like to say, all right, what what are the clear winners? They have a good track history. They're way better than the next competitor in that in that space. And then let's let's own them, right? And then net net, if we have a portfolio of those type of ideas, even if a few are you know negative over you know the investing time frame that we have, which is which is five years, the the other ones that are positive you know, pay off. And so that's why in these type of scenarios, like what's going on for the last few weeks, specifically today, I actually get a little bit excited. I, I text a, I text a client of mine, who's also like a really good friend. Um, I said, Hey man, I, man, I'm I just paid taxes. I'm so upset. I should have did an installment loan. Right. And then I'd have been able to buy the heck out of these dips because, you know, I, you know, I build quarterly. And so I won't get my next chunk of change until, uh, you know, July. And so, you know, I'm like, man, I'm out of cash. Um, and, you know, but it is what it is, right? A lot, you know, some some folks are are on the freak outside, but the folks that get it and they understand and that embrace volatility, like we're all, we're all anxious for a different reason. I'm like, I need some more cash. I want to buy this stuff. I've been waiting for these prices, um, you know, to be here. So um, it, it's okay to have the fear, to feel the fear, acknowledge it, right? If If you have a, Wealth manager, advisor, call them. You know, don't be, don't you know, if you if you're super anxious, like the best way to do is to talk about it. Which you want, and I'm doing this episode, so listen to positive stuff. Um, you know, go to your, you know, if you got text group or chat groups of investors, use them for um, for assurances. But don't make an emotional decision, right? If you if you did the work and you built the portfolio appropriately, and you feel like, you know, you, you're right position, you know. Um, Stick with your plan. You don't abandon the game plan, but you just better hope you did the work right. So y'all enjoy your day. We'll talk tomorrow. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. 
For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.